episode 9 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And... We can't believe it's episode 9! Yeah, we can't. This is this is craziness. Like, people listen. It's strange. Yeah, weird. Uh, we're out there on the internet yep. for you to contact us if you uh, are so inclined. So, Casual Tripod on Twitter. We are Casual Tryhard MTG on Facebook. And casualtryhardmtg at gmail.com if you would like to email us. And after the uh, after our special guest expert Cameron suggested uh, getting on Stitcher, we are now on Stitcher. Yeah, so we're on basically all platforms now, right? Yeah, so Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Podbean, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Spotify. I think that's all of them. Yeah, so if... You go into one of those and just search for us. We we come up. Yep. So usually ca- you get casual try hard. Usually that we just we just show up. We are around. So let people know. Yep. Uh, and let us know what you think. Yeah, we're we're still learning. Yep. So if there's anything you want us uh, specifically to talk about, please let us know. And if there's anything you think we can do better, let us know that as well. This week's episode is not a a listener question section but it right. is it is things that have come up talking to people yep where they've said hey could you talk about this mm-hmm. or just something that like we, we've noticed playing like oh people would benefit from this or that yep so we're gonna try to level the battlefield today yeah new name for new section that's right this is more of a of this is gonna be more of an evergreen podcast mm-hmm. so it's gonna be less like arena stuff yeah, we're going to touch on it at the very end. Just a little yeah. bit. But mainly we're going to kind of focus on things that are going to improve your game overall. If you can take a few things away from this and then like start to apply it to your uh, to, to playing, you'll get, you'll get better. Yep. You'll notice that you're going to be a better player. Yep, and these are, for the most part, going to be things that are relevant um, in all formats. Mm-hmm. Not just standard or just modern or just limited. Things you can use to... Br- uh, improve your game overall yeah this is really focused towards like newer players but i think even more experienced players it doesn't hurt to hear it again and be like oh yeah i'm supposed to do that aren't i yeah you get, it's nice to be reminded once in a while yeah we've got like a whole list in a google doc we picked like three to go through mm-hmm. but again if like someone comes up and mentions something it kind of gets added to the google doc or we try to think about how we can incorporate it later on yeah we've got a like a rolling sheet that we're keeping track of uh show ideas on and uh, this is probably the biggest section on that sheet is these little uh, leveling the battlefield type tidbits. Yeah. So like I said, we're trying to get everyone kind of on the same level. So when you go to play, you are, you know, if you, even if you're not as experienced, you kind of know how to optimally play. Yep. The first thing is, you know, super basic is using all of your mana yeah. each turn. It uh, It's something that definitely sounds like a no-brainer but when you go back to us old timers this was something that we actually learned for the first time i know i refer i still refer to decks in this fashion i don't think anybody else i've ever met in our local game store does but this is what we're talking about is basically the slide deck mm-hmm. where before then before this deck came out people didn't realize that using your mana efficiently was beneficial to you yeah people were just playing whatever the best spell was in their hand and hoping that that got them the game um there's a whole nother story behind this deck that i'm sure we'll get into at some other point but basically the deck was designed so that 
you had options in your hand so that like combinations of the cards it didn't matter if they were great cards or not but because you could use all of your mana every turn you were going to have a leg up on your opponent yeah so back in the day it was like oh sarah angel is the best creature yeah i'm going to jam four sarah sarah angels in my deck and some other stuff and if i don't play a, a spell until turn five that's fine because i'm playing sarah angel it's right. the best spell yep was it the sly deck who was the guy who invented it I ever read his name. Um, it's named after the guy who played it, not the guy who invented, invented it. it. And I don't remember the guy who invented its name. But it was basically like kind of one of the first mono red decks. And yeah. it played like cards up to like, even after fourth edition, were there's some awful, uh, awful Iron cards. Claw Orcs is a grizzly bear that can't block. And I there believe. Were, and there's a, some other orc that, like, you have to sacrifice it if you control a dwarf. Or yeah. as a dwarf, you have to sacrifice it if you control a goblin or something. Yeah. And the deck's just full of the creature type that makes you sacrifice it. Yeah. But it was the best two-mana play you had. Right. It so was all like, you had. So it was like, I guess I have to play this. And, like, mm -hmm. Mon's Goblin Raiders. And, like, yep. just one-ones for one. Yep. But, like... You were like you went one two three, mm -hmm. and maybe your opponent didn't do anything until turn well, four. The deck really it wasn't even really set up to go one two three. It was set up to go one, and then have the option of either two ones or a two. Yeah. And then on three have the option of either a two and a one or a three. It was it just made sure you used all of your mana every turn. Now, you're probably all rolling your eyes like. Duh, a mana curve's important. Yeah. Yeah, but like in 1996, 97... Mana curve, like that terminology didn't exist yeah. then. This this was some like revolutionary stuff. Yeah. Like people were like, oh, I can play garbage and like as long as I use my mana. Right. So using your mana is important because you never get another shot to use that mana. Right. Right? If you don't use your mana on turn one, you're paying a cost. Mm-hmm. Right. And so each turn you get to use your mana, you get to do something, you get to affect the board, you get to, you know, disrupt your opponent. Mm -hmm. And every turn that you don't, you don't have that opportunity. Right. Um, people, you, a lot of times you'll hear some more experienced players talk about time walking their opponent. Mm -hmm. And that kind of rolls into this, where if your opponent had a play lined up, um, you know, having to do with something on the battlefield and you remove that option from them, that's basically a time walk because you took all of their mana from them for that turn. That's what they were going to do, and now they don't have anything to do. Playing a lot of arena, right? There's a lot mm -hmm. of Esper control, and if you have instance, and they're like, okay, they have absorb mana up, and it's clear they want to play absorb, and you just attack with your creature and pass, yeah. if they don't have something to do, they don't get to use that mana. Right. Then you can play whatever instance. So like you have a, a lightning strike. You can mm -hmm. just play that lightning strike on their, turn. on their turn. So now they either have to hold up their mana again. Yep. Or. Deal with it then. Yeah. And then like if they wanted to then play Chemistry's Insight. Well then you made them use their Chemistry's Insight mana right. on the Absorb they were supposed to cast last turn. Yep. So that's where you're just like, oh, you didn't need to do anything this turn because I didn't let you. Is yeah. is really powerful. Uh, it's worth something for sure. It it doesn't look at when you're in the middle of a game and you look at the battlefield and you say, oh, he didn't tap his lands this turn. But it really is worth something. Yeah, right. I mean, you 
it's way scarier when your opponent taps five mana and does something yeah. than when they just leave it untapped. And you're right. just like, oh, I guess they don't have anything. Mm-hmm. Well, how many times have you, uh, you know, we have a, a resident uh, pro tour veteran yeah. on, uh, in our game store. And how many times have you heard him after a round come out and say, oh, I lost. He went one drop, two drop, three drop, and I lost. A lot. I mean, yeah. and you, you, you lose those games, especially in limited. Yeah. Like, one uh, one drops in limited typically aren't good. Right. But <laughs> but sometimes you get there. Yep. Uh, sometimes there's a good one drop, and you're just like, oh, they had gutter bones into the the red black guy who has haste. Into, into Judith. Yeah. Into, <laughs> or just like into like the three two common that like when it gets blocked, it pings you. Yeah. Right. You're just like, oh, yeah. I just or a blade juggler. Yeah. It's like I like took. Took two, it took four. Mm-hmm. Then they like drew a card and had like seven power on board, and I like played a two-two, yeah. and then played like <laughs> another two-two, and I was so far behind. Yeah, right. So like your mana spoils if you don't use it, it yep. goes away. Yep, you can't save it for later. And so a lot of times people get will get hung up on. They'll look at their hand and they're like, okay, it's turn four. I have four mana. I have this four drop common that's eh, that's not great uh, i'm trying to think of like staying in like rectos i haven't played enough uh limited yeah i really uh, haven't played much so, of this limited so format. some like random uh like red and black uh rectos four drop you're like okay i can play this guy rafter demon is that a four drop yeah maybe rafter demon so i can play rafter demon or I just drew Judith. Mm-hmm. How about I, I? Judith is way better. I should get Judith on the battlefield. And sometimes it's right, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's better to say like, you know, I'm going to use all four mana and play the worst card. Yeah. Because next turn I have a land in my hand already. If I draw a two drop, I get to play two spells this turn. I get to play right. my Judith, and then I get to play whatever my two drop is. Yeah. As opposed to, I get my Judith out. Great. And now next turn you draw your land. But now you can only play the Rafter Demon right. if you can't do Spectacle. You know? <laughs> but you, you know the, the, the basic gist of it yeah. is you want to be able to get to those double spell yeah. turns. So in that scenario, you'd have been down one mana on turn four mm-hmm. and then one mana, on, one turn mana on turn five. Whereas if you did it the other way around, you wouldn't have been down any mana. Yeah, you use you use all four of your mana on turn two. Yep. I'm sorry, on, 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 turn, yeah. on turn four. <laughs> if you got four mana on turn two, you broke it. Uh, you use all your all your mana on turn four, and then you use all your mana on turn five. Yep. And now you've played three cards. Yeah. As opposed to only playing two. Yep. And then what you know in theory, whatever you draw from now on, you're gonna have the mana to play. You're not gonna have this. You know, this spot where you're like, I saw this two-mana card stuck in my hand because I didn't play it. Yeah, it's a lot easier to sneak a two-drop in somewhere else later on down the line Yeah, than it is to take turn four off to play your two-drop. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times, even if, like, you have, like, the busted rare, right, sometimes it's better to just use all your mana each turn. Yep. The difference in card quality doesn't doesn't make up for the, the, the mana inefficiency. Yeah. Use all your mana's, like, the 80 percent rule yeah i mean it's a rule of thumb it's something that you're usually it's going to apply to you there are corner cases where it doesn't apply and you can't 
we can't talk about all those right like, yeah it's too too vast but well, those you, are usually decks that are probably going to be you know this applies to you if you're playing this deck yeah so if you can use all your mana is a good place to be yep another thing that uh is old as magic itself uh it is actually as old as magic itself goes all the way back to alpha it is bolt the bird bolt the bird yep yeah so we had lightning bolt and birds of paradise yep. in uh alpha and this is topical for standard absolutely because right? we have lanor elf mm-hmm. shock the elf does not sound quite as good as bolt the bird well that's pretty good though yeah shock right? the elf is all right why is it so important to like zap the mana dork? Uh, well, two reasons. Number one is we uh, we just finished talking about how important having a mana advantage over your opponent was. Mm-hmm. Having a mana ramp creature, whether it's a bird or a dork or whatever, um, gives your opponent a mana advantage over you uh, as early as turn two. Typically, especially in limited, uh, three drops are a lot more powerful than two drops. I mean even in constructed like, well yeah i mean constructed also but yeah but like just think about like thorn lieutenant it's a two three you can probably beat that mm-hmm. steel leaf champions five four <laughs> you're in a world of hurt yeah yeah that'll end the game quickly yes uh, two three i can block that <laughs> five four i can't block that well it says right on the card you, you can't, can't block, block it. me with your two drop basically <laughs> and if you don't get rid of that mana accelerant you are just going to be behind the whole game yep Two versus three is is big. Like mm-hmm. two, you playing a two drop and your opponent playing a three drop, but like four drops are way better than three drops most of yeah, the time. Yeah, they are. Right, like rek- four drops are planeswalkers, or rekindling phoenixes. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, I I can't beat that on turn three. On turn three, ever. Yeah. So you want to try to make sure that you cut them off of that mana as soon as possible so it doesn't snowball yep sometimes you get super lucky and your opponent has kept like land mana dork and in this standard like explore creature because they're like i'm yeah. gonna find my land and you zap their mana dork and they're like oh I'm, i can't find my land i'm i'm not gonna play this game anymore yeah. sometimes you just like make it so people don't get to play the game yeah i mean it's also relevant in this format that one of the most popular decks Sultai. Um, can play a double Elvish Visionary as their three drop. Mm-hmm. You know they play Jade Light Ranger and they can just draw two cards. And they're doing that on turn two. Yeah, like you're you're in a in a bad way. Yeah. Right. So just getting ahead of that is important. I mean, Elvish Mystic, Lana War Elf, they're basically moxes. Uh, close to. Yeah, like if I told you like your opponent has a mox. Do you want to kill it? You'd be like, oh, God, Oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're like, oh, it's just a 1-1 one, one that taps for green, it's like, yeah, it's Mox Emerald. Yeah. It's the worst Mox or the second worst Mox, <laughs> but it's still a Mox in standard. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Go look at some vintage lists. They play every Mox. Yeah. It doesn't matter like, if it's on their colors or not. They play every one. Getting ahead is getting ahead. Yep. If your opponent has main Accelerant, get rid of it. That is just a general rule of thumb. Mm-hmm. Right? Don't get cute. Right. Just, if you can zap it, zap it and, like, Play a fair game from there. Yep. Move on. This other one is less old, but still... It is. ...old. And that's kind of how how to play, like, the red deck wins, or just, like, 
aggro decks in mm-hmm. general. Yeah, I mean, most aggro decks... Well, I shouldn't say that because we have a whole bunch of aggro decks in standard right now that aren't red. But yeah. uh, this this topic is kind of specifically for the mono-red decks. And basically, it's if you have a draw with creatures in it, where you're going to be applying pressure to your opponent with creatures, the burn spells in your hand should be clearing the way for your creatures to do damage not just aimlessly pointed upstairs. Mm-hmm. Over the course of, let's say, three turns, your Fanatical Firebrand is going... Over the course of four turns, your Firebrand can deal four damage, mm-hmm. where your Shock can only deal two damage. So you're better off using that Shock to clear the way for your Firebrand than you would be just throwing it upstairs. Yeah, so like you you play your fight, you're on the play. Yep arena was kind to you you're on that you're on the play the playlist um you play your firebrand tax i go uh now your opponent's also on red and they play get lava runner a one two mm-hmm. you can't attack through that right but you can on your turn play a shock get that out of the way get another damage in yep and you know maybe play your own get lava runner mm-hmm. and now you're you have two power on board. They have no board. You're right. you're ahead now, mm-hmm. right? Whereas if you just shock them, absolutely. Now your fanatical firebrand doesn't get to attack anymore. Right. He's like throws himself for one damage. Yep. But you don't get to use him anymore. You basically that that one two has eliminated your card. Mm-hmm. It's no no longer a card. Yep. Let me let me give you one more scenario um, with almost the same cards. You're on the play. Mm-hmm. You play your fanatical firebrand, attack, get in for one. Your opponent goes, plays his land, plays the Gitu Lava Runner. Back to your turn. You still have that shock in hand. Also in your hand is a light up the stage. Now you could very easily take that shock, point it upstairs, enable spectacle, cast your light up the stage. Or you could do what we were just talking about, kill the, kill the Lava Runner, swing with your firebrand, enable spectacle, cast the light up the stage. And now you're way ahead. Like, you're probably 80% to win that game at that point. Yeah. You're two cards up. You've got an empty battlefield on your opponent's side. Yeah, so the we're using the Red Mirror. The Red Mirror is, is counterintuitive, I think, to how... It really goes to show how important this is. Yeah. When you play the Red Mirror, the whole game is about killing your, creature, your opponent's creatures. Yeah. You play the whole game... Like, I have played their, like, get to Lava Runner, go. I just shock it. Mm-hmm. Because now that turns off spectacle for them. Yep. Right? They can't get in with something that turns out. They might have a firebrand, but for the most part, they're not going to be able to get in yep. to, to deal damage. And so you just want to trade all your all your burn spells for creatures. Mm-hmm. And then the person who wins those games usually is the person who either has, like, the last threat. Yep. Or, or the person who sticks the frenzy. Yeah. Uh... But, or the person who drew less lands. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. The the red mirrors really show that like you don't want to just shock someone if you know they're going to have creatures. Yeah. Now, if you're playing arena and your opponent goes godless shrine tapped, you shock them. Yeah. Because they're not going to play a creature more than likely. Right. Or it's going to be a basilica bell hunt, yeah. and your shock does nothing. Right. You're, you're on a clock. Your shock gets discarded to basilica bell hunt. Is what yes. happens. But for the most part, you need to make sure your creatures are all like repeatable shocks. Yeah. And your shock just happens once. Mm-hmm. 
So make sure you keep your battlefield clear. Yep. And then that goes a long way. And, you know, specific matchups, like white, like the mono white decks. Yeah. You cannot beat Venerated Loxodon. No, that deck snowballs quick. It is so important to keep the battlefield clear because it turns off yeah. Conclave Tribunal and it turns off uh, Venerated Loxodon. Yeah. Right? Like those. It also ma- makes their marshals worse. Yeah. Those, those games, you're like trying to use your shocks and even your firebrands yeah. to keep the battlefield clear because it makes their other cards bad. Yep. And then you keep your three damage spells for uh, Banalish Marshals mm-hmm. and Snap War Centuries. Yep. But again, it's like keep everything clear and then you hope that you can stick a threat. Like Chain Whirler is the best because like they can't gang block it. Yeah. Right? You're just like Chain Whirler and now... They have three removal spells, and if they can't remove it, you just get to eat all their stuff and win the game that way. Mm-hmm. Mono Blue works like half the cards in Mono Blue's deck either need a creature yeah. or are way better when there is a creature. Right. Turn one, turn one Miss Cloak Herald, turn Kill one it. Shock It yeah. is great. Now your turn two Fanatical Firebrand can like sneak in, yeah. and then you can hold up a Shock to Shock the... Uh, the Merfolk Trickster that they will play. Yep, every uh, time. Every time, right? But still, like if you go to play a creature and they essence capture it and they don't have a yeah. creature to put the counter on, it's way worse. It's way worse. So like essence scatter is bad for you, but essence capture is way worse. Yeah. So keeping the battlefield clear yep. lets you like actually play like a reasonable game, mm-hmm. right? And again, mono blue players will keep some of the worst ones. We'll keep we'll keep like Miss Cloak Herald and uh, Curious Obsession with the idea of well I'm going to draw two in one land that and then spells that yeah. need that need that Miss Cloak Herald runs you're like kill your Miss Cloak Herald now you're stuck on one land yeah another hand doesn't function right and a matchup that is bad turns into okay yep right you can race them to to three lands yep but if you would have just gone like turn one main phase shock you mm-hmm. right then they play their creature and you're like huh again sometimes this goes back to like it's really important to use your mana but if yeah. you know you're playing against mono blue maybe you're like you know what i'm not going to use my shock oh okay they went land go they went island go like well i could shock them or i could play a two drop and then protect it so it doesn't get blocked mm-hmm. well maybe i should do that so like that's one of those cases where it's not always use all your mana you yeah. have to think about the matchup yeah giving yourself the option of like well i didn't use my shock on my main phase yeah so now i know but well, we have no f6 value in real life <laughs> you don't get to just like well i'm gonna pass priority now yeah right so you know what the uh, the best creature to protect in this manner is what is this bowmat courier bowmat courier we're going we're going a uh, one standard back your favorite card well, like a standard and a half back yeah yeah that card was great yeah. And it definitely encouraged this sort of play pattern. Because the longer that Bowmet Courier stuck around swinging, the more value you were going to get off of it in two, two three turns when, when you popped it. Yeah. But if you went, like, turn one Bowmet, then, like, turn two shock you, and then, like, they played a two drop. Yeah. Like, oh, Bowmet, I'm sorry, yeah. buddy. I guess I... I did you I did you dirty. I yeah. can't I can't use you anymore. Yeah, then your Bowmet gets eaten by a Chain Whirler and you cry. Yeah, you're like, well, this game has now ended. Yeah. Right. So in in the red decks, it's all thinking about how can I cobble together the most damage. Yep. 
and it's almost always have a bunch of creatures. Yep. Right. You have to keep the like three land, four burn spell hands, and like I'm like, all right, I'm playing the control here. I'm just gonna like clear the board and hope to get to a threat. And... Yeah, that's an interesting point you just said, where you're playing the control here. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people wouldn't think that. Oh, I picking play, up mono red. I play can I play the control role in the mirror constantly, yeah. and I play the control role in like the mono blue and mono white matchups sometimes to my detriment but like you have experimental frenzy in those decks or risk factor and you're just like i'm gonna trade resources and now if you have like the three land three burn spell like frenzy is your opening hand you have a plan Mm -hmm. and it's have the board clear and find a land and find a (laughs) find a land and stick a frenzy right you can even tell when you're playing like if you're, you can tell myself your opponent has a frenzy. Like if you play a chain whirler and it gets shocked twice, yeah, you're like, oh, they have a frenzy. Yeah, they like, don't care about burning their hand up. Yeah, they, they, this is what's happening. Yeah, but it's just keep everything clear. But yeah, but in in those aggro matchups, like you are, you know, like I have like like all right, I'm gonna like trade this creature with a tithe taker so the they get the one one, and then my next turn is like Sweep chain, it up whirler. chain whirler. And you're like, oh, hey, like I've had people scoop to like a chain whirler. Yeah. Like, oh. Or you're like sitting there, you're like, play, an- play another Skymarch Axe, please, please. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you have to like play. There's a fine balance. You need to make sure that you've killed enough things initially that they don't get to. Yeah. Locks it on it, yeah. and then you lose. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, come on, one more. Yes. Got it. Got it. I mean, modern burn's the same way. Yeah, modern right? burn is exactly the same way. There have been pros, I forget his name. Uh, who was playing? He's playing like the like the old like Naya Zoo kind of burn with uh, Wild Nacatl and Goblin Guide. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm only getting every hand that doesn't have a Goblin Guide or a Wild Nacatl. Yeah, because you just need a creature like Goblin yeah. Guide is perma shock. Right, it's a shock every turn. Yep. So clear the way for him and let him do his work. Yep. It's like, oh, I have like four burn spells. It's like, well, that might not be good enough. Yeah. So, the next kind of time. So we're gonna leave. We're gonna leave the battlefield. Yeah. So this save is, some more of that for next time. Yeah. So we have some more of that. And again, if you're like, hey, how should I play? And maybe not like how should I play a matchup, but how do these? How does like the aggro versus control work? Yeah. Big picture. We can talk about that kind of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Right. I can talk about the mono red thing because that's all I play. <laughs> all I play. At least on arena, right? Yeah. I play Gates in real life. I play yeah. the biggest, dumbest thing possible. <laughs> and then I play something that's like, I have four four drops and 19 lands. There yeah, are problems game you here. Played, uh, was it round three last night? The Gates Mirror? Mm-hmm. That was an interesting game to watch. Yeah. I had like 10 Gates. Uh, I think yeah. I, I won the game with expansion for 13. Yeah. Yeah. After controlling four Gate Colossuses at the same time? I mass manipulation two Gate Colossuses and yeah. then got Gates Ablazed for... Yeah. Uh, for like nine yeah. and it had no gate classes. Yeah. That was yeah. a crazy game. Good clean magic. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's great. Then you like don't draw a red source and lose to aggro. Uh, I'm well, not fader. That happens too. Uh, yes. The the next thing we're gonna talk about is another kind of topic that is, you know, always always something that is important. Or at least yeah. interesting. Um I kinda made a conscious decision a couple years ago to focus a little bit more time and energy into this particular topic whereas a lot of times you hear a lot of people bitch about this topic 
Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of took the opposite route and dove in. And yeah. I'm kind of digging it. It's almost as much fun as playing the game sometimes. So what what is this topic? Uh, we're going to talk about magic finance. All right. So now some of you might be like rolling your eyes and cursing the dirty speculators that yeah. made your deck impossibly expensive. Yeah. Right. That could be you, though. That could be you. It's not hard. It's not hard. I mean, we're not telling you to be that guy who bought out all the moats. Like, well, yeah. three years, two years ago, three years ago, bought every yeah. moat at like $200 and made them $600. Yeah. I don't, I don't have the kind of money to just go on TCG yeah. Player and buy all the moats. I, I'm also not uh, Rudy from Alpha Investments, and I can't buy, I can't make an announcement saying that I'm going to do something to Bazaar of Baghdad for six months. You guys figure it out, and then come back in six months and say, I already did it. I had already bought them all. I don't know what you guys are doing. You just made me, you know, $1,800 a copy. Yeah. That is one thing to kind of know about MTG Finance going in is you're you're dealing with, uh, oftentimes, especially with uh, reserve list cards. And let's define reserve list real quick. What's reserve list? Uh, So reserve list is a promise that Wizards of the Coast made to its players a very long time ago. After Chronicles. Yeah. Um. I don't know how many of our listeners were around during the Chronicles debacle, but uh, Chronicles was the first reprint set. So when Magic was very young, basically what they did was Alpha came out. Everybody that was working on the game pooled up all of the money they could muster, every single penny, sent this game to print and printed it as much as they could afford. It sold out instantly. So they took all of that money and everything else that they could scrounge up and printed beta. And it sold out instantly. So they took all of that money and everything else they could scrounge up and they printed unlimited. And it sold out almost instantly. And that was all in the first year of the game. Alpha Beta Unlimited was all uh, 1993. Okay. It was, like those, normally we don't hear about, those are basically core sets getting printed that often. But they weren't actually different sets. They were just reprintings of the same set. And Unlimited still has a black border, right? No, Unlimited is white white border. But they were all released like in rapid succession just because they printed as much as they could afford and then went back to print. So right after, like I guess in between Beta and Unlimited was Arabian Nights. Somewhere in there. Yeah, and then you had uh, Antiquities and Legends in the Dark. Um, all of those sets were kind of squeezed in there, like in the time frame up until '94. When Wait, were they that early? Yeah, I thought that like the dark was later. The so dark, I thought the dark the... was like because I remember buying dark packs when fourth edition was still out. You might have still been buying dark packs. I started playing at the very tail end of Unlimited, going into Revised. Okay, so I started playing like fourth edition Ice Age. Yeah, and the dark had just come out. Okay. I didn't so, realize it was that. Yeah. So all of those sets were printed in that era of we're going to take all of the money we're making from this game and just print as much as we can and it's all going to sell out. So everything up until the dark is basically what I'm talking about now. Going like another year or two ahead, Ice Age really isn't the point until they could print more than they could sell. Everything before then they were like caught up to mm-hmm. like everything that they could print was sold out. So by this point, like somewhere around 
fourth edition Ice Age, somewhere in there. Um, the game has exploded, and there are a ton of players that want all of these old cards that were basically only printed as much as they could afford to print at the time and never met the demand that the cards needed. So Wizards decided to come out with this set called Chronicles, which is basically what we now know as a master set, but it was reprints of some of the cards from Arabian Nights, Legends, The Dark, Antiquities, and it made a lot of people very angry. Yeah, so the the thing that differentiates um, uh, Chronicles from the originals mm-hmm. is they have the original set symbols, Yeah, but they have white borders. Right. So unless you're playing against Cameron, if someone has a white border blood moon, yeah. that blood moon is from Chronicles. It still has the dark symbol for is the most part. Eighth edition? Maybe there's an eighth edition one, but yeah. if it has the, the half moon, yeah. Yep. As the moon, it's it's a Chronicles one. Yep. So that was the big. That was how you differentiated them. Yep. All of the people that had been playing previous to that and that already had all their copies of all these cards that were reprinted were very angry with Wizards of the Coast for diminishing the value of the cards that they had collected up until this point. So Wizards decided to do something about it, and they came out and said, "Okay, we're going to have this new policy going forward called the Reserve List." And we're going to pick a certain number of rare cards from each set going forward, and those cards we're never going to reprint again. Yes. Now, these people that got super angry about losing value on their collection from reprints, you could buy a dual land for 20 bucks. You could buy a dual land for less than $20. Like, I remember buying $20 dual lands. Yeah, I remember so, buying $10 dual lands. So this, so this is a bunch of people in the 90s getting all bent out of shape because they're $20 card became a $15 card. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the cards that were... I mean, there were some more expensive ones. Like, I remember really wanting an Argivian Archaeologist, and it was like 30 bucks. Yeah. I guess I probably should have done my homework and thought of this before the before the show. I know there were cards in there that were... That were expensive. At there the time, they, they were expensive, but I can't... They always... There's always yeah, cards that are like played. into my head right that, now. But yeah, it was... It's not, you know... It's not like there were like three and four hundred dollar cards for the most part. Well, I mean there were, but not in not in chronicles. Not in chronicles, yeah. yeah. So the reserve list, we said, hey, we're not going to print any more cards. Mm-hmm. Reserve list is a topic we're going to term we're going to use yeah. some yep. to explain it. There's your history lesson with yep. the professor. Uh, no, professor James. they have come off of reserve list. Yeah, they have, so they haven't released those. They're still holding that promise where those cards are not going to reprint and it's up to. Urza's legacy or destiny? It's Urza's block, I think, is where it stops. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I, I think don't it's. I think answer. it's Urza's block. It's somewhere early two thousands. Yeah. Going back to the point I was trying to make, there aren't a lot of these cards. Yeah. So you, there are sometimes wild swings in prices. Yeah. Because someone just decides, like, I ha- I'm Martin Screlly. I'm the worst person on earth. <laughs> I have $50,000, and I want to buy every one of these cards that exist. Yeah. And they can. Maybe yep. not every that exists, but everyone that's for sale. Right. Right? What that does is when someone comes in and buys all 10 copies of Moat that are on TCG, yeah. people go through their closet or go through their binder and, and, dig go out like, their moats. and go like, oh, man, someone paid $300 for this moat. Maybe I put mine up for 350 Yeah. And then it sells, and now the new price for mode is three fifty. Right, right, and that's how cards kind of creep up. Is a yeah. lot of times people get in there and go like, "We're I'm gonna I'm gonna make something move." Yeah, 
you can manipulate the market is basically yes. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, the market is easy to manipulate. Yeah. For reserve list cards. For reserve list cards. Yep. Even for some non-reserve list stuff, because people are crazy. Yeah. It, it's a lot harder with non-reserve list yeah. stuff, though. I mean, I think a lot of MTG Finance works on the FOMO principle. Absolutely. So FOMO, if you if you aren't super cool like us uh, yeah. middle-aged white guys here, <laughs> is fear of missing out. Right. When a card starts to go up in price, mm-hmm. people, like, all panic. There's yeah. There's kind of two people there are people that are like oh it's going up i need to get in so i can turn a turn a profit yeah and there's people that are like oh man i really wanted to play fill in the blank deck right i better hurry up and go buy this card because Before it I, spikes because if i yeah. don't i'm not gonna be able to play the deck right and so you have this this positive feedback loop where like people just go in and buy yep then more more cards come onto the market at slightly higher prices that's how things go up yep right so what we're what we're talking about with magic finance at least from our perspective is trying to find cards that we think will go up trying yep. to get in before the big bump mm-hmm. and i like to try and get in before fomo also yeah like a lot of people jump in when a card is starting to spike um i like to try and find them like even before that if i can yeah so we're talking about looking at the format and looking at the cards that are like out there mm-hmm. And making educated guesses right. about what you think is going to be played, yep. what you think, what is a card that is good, that is maybe not seeing pl- as much play as it should, mm-hmm. and trying to get cards there. Yeah, it, another thing that I think you might have kind of just alluded to mm-hmm. and kind of skated over is also cards that are in decks that are almost there. Um, like if there's a deck that's missing, you know, four copies of some card, like I, I know you make the reference to Faithless Rummaging a lot. Yes. Um, but things like that where okay, if, if okay, Faithless Rummaging <laughs> is not a real card. It is not a real card. Right. I, I keep saying they need to like print, like to break all my favorite decks. Yeah. Like one red mana, discard two, draw two. Yeah. Like just like, don't give me flashback. Just, just yeah. give me like. Half of a faithless looting. Bad faithless looting yeah. would be great. And like it's like, oh, if they print some card like the card that is missing for this archetype, right. these key cards in this archetype mm-hmm. will go up in value. Um, it's kind of like what happened with humans. Yes. Right? All of the pieces for that deck have been around for a very long time, with the exception of Unclaimed Territory. Yes. And uh Kite Freebooter. Freebooter, yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get the one piece that was missing from the mana base to make the deck playable and the deck is a monstrosity that people at one point were talking about banning out of modern because it was too oppressive yes thank you magic aids guy yeah <laughs> he 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 made the original deck and then collins mullins took out reflecting pools and put an ancient ziggurats and then won an open with it yep and then meddling mage went from like five dollars to twenty five dollars yeah would have been a good target to spike or yeah. to spec. I on. got in on mine early. I only got a playset. You want to try to think about like cards you think can go up, mm-hmm. and you said cards that are almost there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's two reasons we do this, right? Yes. One of them is because eventually we might want to play the deck. Yes. And the other is because you can turn those cards into other cards to play a different deck, right? Yes. So, um, 
I'm, I'm gonna. We were just talking about this before we started. I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. flex a little bit here. Yeah. So, Grixis, uh, a Phoenix mm-hmm. in Legacy. Yep. Uh, Tommy Ashton was on Central Phillips podcast and talked about the deck and going like fifteen and one, and I was like, oh, that sounds neat. And so, I wandered upstairs and I put the deck together mm-hmm. minus four Weatherlight. Weatherlight. <laughs> Buried alive. The other ones, the other printings are garbage. You had to have three faces frozen in carbonite. None of this like hands reaching out of a hole crap. No. Hey man, when buried alive got reprinted, mm-hmm. I specked on it. I bought thirty copies. And they were like what, ten cents or fifty yeah, cents? Yeah, right? they were. They and now were they're like two dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I went upstairs and put the deck together, mm-hmm. and we just looked on MTG Goldfish, yep. and the deck's forty two hundred dollars. Yeah. I did not spend $4,200 on those cards. Right. Four years ago, we went to, maybe three years ago, we went to a GP in Atlanta. And we went in as a group, and I disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> and went to the Scratch and Dent section of Star City. I did the same thing when and I bought, bought mine. bought Badlands for $50 a piece. Yep. And Underground Seas for like 100 Yep. And now Badlands are... Two hundred and fifty dollars. Badland was the bad dual land well, that was always going to be. I mean, be... Plateau has been the bad dual land. Fine, fine. <laughs> yeah. But Badlands was yeah, there. It, was it right didn't there. make blue mana, and it was like, oh, Badland. And then I read an article like, we're going to get to a point where Badlands is over a hundred dollars. Yeah. It's two fifty. Yeah. Right. I got mine for fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I was like, well, I don't need these right now, but they're not going to get cheaper. Right. Right. So. Yeah, so you get cards that are cheap mm-hmm. so that when they become the best deck, mm-hmm. you get to play that deck. Right. Right? I'm guilty a lot of buying four things. I'm just like, I'll get four mm-hmm. so I can play the deck. And then I'm like, why didn't I get like 12 so yeah. I could like flip them? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's because we play. And yeah. part of what we're trying to do with what we do with magic finance is just kind of support our habit. Like yeah. I'm not looking to make a mint off of, you know, specking on bazaar of Baghdad's at, you know, yeah. $1,800 a piece. I'm looking to spend a couple bucks and maybe turn it into 10 bucks. Yeah. I mean, um, so a lot of things that I do is if there's a, if there's a modern card that's $5 mm-hmm. that's played in a like deck, that card will not be $5. Yeah. So, I guess, again, three or four years ago, Gorio's Vengeances were $5. I got mine, yeah, and they're like $25 now. Oh, they were even more than that before yep. the reprint. Uh, Amulet of Vigor yeah. was $5. I bought them for 7 not long ago. I uh, didn't get them, and now I've been, I card-sphered my way to... Yeah. The fourth one's in the mail at $30 a piece. Yeah, I bought... When did I get mine? I got mine at a GP last year, I think. Yeah. For like $7 a piece I bought. Yeah. So there's a lot of like $5 cards that might not be $5 cards in a year. Yeah. And like you'll look back and you're like, oh, I really wish I could play that deck. Uh, Death Shadow. When I, when I put my first version of Death Shadow together, Death Shadows were $6. Mm-hmm. They are not six dollars anymore. No. They're twenty. <laughs> um, so yeah, like getting in on on cards that are played and could go up mm-hmm. um, makes it so you get to play Magic. Yeah. Right. So we have uh, 
I mean, we have some some good stories. Yeah. So how? Tell me about our friend Bloodbraid. Oh boy, let me tell you a story. So one of the one of the ways that I like to spec is we'll call them penny cards. Um, they're not actually penny cards, but um, things that I like to fill orders with. So a lot of um, websites where you purchase you know mail order cards from or whatever have a minimum uh, free shipping. Yes, it's like twenty bucks or twenty five bucks yeah. depending on where you get it from. Um, so a lot of times if I'm just looking for stuff to play standard with. I'm not going to quite meet that $20 threshold. Or I can come close, but I'm not going to get there. So I'll find some of these cheap, I call them penny specs, just to fill an order. Mm -hmm. So at one point, uh, after Eternal Masters was released, uh, the price of Bloodbraid Elf went way low. uh, Like 25, 30 cents low for a while. And being a Jund connoisseur, I was like, man, I really wish, you know, I think that Bloodbraid Elf, I don't think it would break the format. I think that it may potentially be unbanned. It's a recent printing. It's cheap right now. I started adding copies to every order I made, and I ended up with something like 160 copies of them at an average of 30 cents a piece. And they got unbanned. And I didn't even, like, try and sell them to somebody. I buy-listed them to Channel Fireball for 5 or $6 a piece. I think I had 40 to 50 Yeah. It, and I had gotten them even before the, the reprint. Like, mine were yeah. all, like, the... OG like, ones? The OG ones, because they were, like, 50 cents. And yeah. I would just throw them in orders or, like, you know what? Because mm-hmm. what would happen there for a while is, like, every time... The the winner un the winner set came out. Yeah, he's like, oh, what well, is gonna get unbanned in modern, and like Blood Raid would go up and then not get unbanned and then yep. go back down, and then I just was like, I'll get these. Like waited till the summer and got a bunch, and then they got unbanned. I was like, oh, cool. Yep. I did the same thing with uh uh Thopter Foundry and Sword of the Meek. Yeah. So Sword of the Meek was banned, uh, because back in the day it may it was oppressive in modern. With Thopter Foundry, so it's like you sack an artifact with Thopter Foundry, and you make a one one. Mm-hmm. And sort of the meek says, if it's in your graveyard, it's an mm-hmm. artifact. If it's in your graveyard, you can equip it to a creature. Yep. So you can make as many if you have Thopter Thopter Foundry and Sword of the Meek, you can make as many Thopters as you have mana. Uh, you also gain a life every time, right? Probably. Yeah. Uh, so I bought probably twenty copies of sword mm-hmm. and i think i had and the sword was the expensive part it was like two or three dollars yeah but then i bought like i had like probably 60 copies of thopter foundry yep and it was like an uncommon and it was like 50 cents yeah and i went into a shop that no longer exists in charleston rest in peace <laughs> green uh turtle gaming um and uh I was like, how many Thopter Foundries do you have? He's like, oh, we have like 20. I was like, I'll take all of them. And the guy was like, is this like a pet card? Is this like a gag? Like, why are you buying me this? Oh, when they get unbanned, they'll be $5 a piece. Yeah. They were $5 a piece. I turned those into a dual land. Yeah. Like, I turned them into like an underground sea. Yep. And so that's the kind of stuff you can do. Mm-hmm. Now, we did do a quick perusing of the modern ban list before we got on here. We did. And there doesn't look like there's anything that like... Would cl- that's cleared that, that would be safe to unban 
other than maybe Punishing Fire. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's people clamoring for a Punishing Fire yeah, unbanning. Yeah, the the card that is now the the bad side of this and the 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 where where FOMO takes over yeah. and you get hurt is Stoneforge Mystic. Tell the tale of Stoneforge Mystic. Stoneforge Mystic spikes every single uh BNR announcement. Yeah. To 60 something dollars. Ridiculous. I've seen it upwards of $100. I've seen people pay $100 for Stoneforge. Yeah. Because it might get unbanned in modern. Yeah. It's not getting unbanned in modern. And they people will spend like yeah. oh man it might get unbanned. They'll spend 60, 70, 100 dollars on a Stoneforge. Yeah. And then after the unbanding, it's we just looked. That's thirty dollars. Thirty dollars. Yeah. So the people that were like, "Oh no, if it gets unbanned, I'm gonna like yeah. miss out," they got like soaked. Yeah. Now the other side of this is, I bought Jace's right when Ultimate Masters came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like right after he got unbanned, or right yeah. before was it? Was it Ultimate Masters? Whatever. It was, that uh, was. Masters twenty five. Masters twenty. I bought mine in Eternal Masters. No, it was Eternal so. Masters. Oh, okay. So I got mine in Eternal Masters. Yeah. They were like sixty. Yeah, they're like 120 now. Yeah. And they're like not really played in modern? Not at all. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> so there is a lot of just like some of the cards that just kind of rocket up and down are crazy. Yeah. But you, you, but if you look at cards and think, huh, I might want to play this deck or uh, this deck might be good, you can get in and like turn, you know, not a profit per se, but yeah. you can turn them into other cards. Like you right. have a sunk cost. Yeah. If you spend twenty dollars on cards and now it's worth forty dollars, well, you can get a forty dollar card, right? As opposed to now I have to spend forty dollars on that card. Yep. I guess another thing that we didn't talk about is reprints do some weird things with prices. Yeah, they do. So uh, they do not always what you expect they would do either. Yeah. The I mean the easy one is that they drive the price of that card down. Usually for a little while. There's like a sweet spot. Yeah. Where, like, you can... Within the first, like, three-ish weeks of a set release? Yeah, like Noble Hierarchs, the was it the Modern Masters 2 mm-hmm. Noble Hierarchs, they were, like, 40 or 50, and they went down to, like, 30. Yeah. And I got mine at 30, and I think they're 60 or yeah. something now. They've, like, creeped back up. Yep. But there's, like, a sweet spot, like, the price goes down, yep. you can get them, and they head back up. Yep. But what happens is... When a card gets reprinted, if it was the expensive card in a deck... It drives the whole rest of the deck up. Uh, so I think Valakut is an example of yeah. this. Like, Through the Breach yep. was the card that was expensive in Valakut. Yep. That was the, like... Well, Escape Shift also, and Escape, Escape Shift, Shift got reprinted. Those two were the expensive cards, and those were, like, what the barrier to getting into that deck was, was those two cards. Yep. They got reprinted. And then Valakut's doubled in price. Valakut's it's been $5. It's doubled in price, right? Isn't is it like 25 bucks right now? It might be. Uh, but they... So, like, a lot of times if the card that was keeping people out of the deck gets reprinted... Yeah. Some other, like, mm-hmm. not super unavailable, mm-hmm. but harder to find card will take off in price. Right. Because now everybody can... Everybody thinks they can get into the deck now and... Yeah, so like, oh, I have my scape shifts, now I just have to go get my yeah. Valakus, and they're $5, so no big, oh. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. For Ultimate Masters, we got Gorio's Vengeance. Mm-hmm. We got Through the Breach. Yep. Um, we had just had a Gristlebrand reprint. Mm-hmm. Those, we got Nourishing Shoal. 
Uh-huh. Those are all pieces of Grishol brand. Yeah. How much is Borborigmas now? Uh, Borborigmas isn't the one that I was thinking of. Dang. Because I bought some of him before. It's um, the worm. World Spine Worm. Oh, yeah. It's like $30. Oh, no. Yeah. It oh, went man. from bulk status to... And that is another thing. Like, there are a lot of cards that were bulk quarter cards yeah. that take off. Nourishing Shoal was an example. Mm-hmm. Nourishing Shoal was just like a throwaway card. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it took off. Yep. Found a home, took off. Um, I think even the reprint's like $6 right yeah. now. Glimpse of Nature yeah. was a card that was garbage. Yep. And then enough elves and mana guys got printed that Glimpse was like, still is probably it got reprinted once did it no, no it hasn't is it like $25 or yep. something uh, maybe more banned and modern only seems to play in legacy in one deck 20 something dollars yeah yeah so there are a lot of a lot of factors yep there's a lot of people like this is why like Star City will take your random bulk standard stuff yeah because they're playing the long con yeah they're gonna give you 10 cents for your rare which is fine Right. I think uh, I'm going to stop you there for a okay. second because I think we're going to get to this after this next part. Okay. So let's let's talk about uh, how we think we're going to get started first. Okay. And then we'll we'll come back to the bulk. Okay. We kind of talked about some of the cards that we have spec'd on on the past, mm-hmm. and what we neither one of us talked about is buying collections, right? Yes. There are people that do it. But I think the days of finding a shoebox full of $100 bills at a garage sale are long past. Yes. Um, Magic is kind of mainstream enough right now. And since everybody's plugged into the internet, everybody has instant access to what everything on the planet is worth. Air quotes worth. um, That I don't think you're going to find too many of those smoking deals anymore. Yeah. I've I've bought one collection from someone locally. Mm Mm-hmm. Who was just, I don't know, decided he didn't want to have cards anymore. Yeah. And I got like a really good deal. Mm-hmm. I bought another collection from a guy in Charleston. I got totally hosed. Like yeah. he knew what he was doing. And I got a box of like garbage. Yeah. I gave him $100 and I got like, I think the best card was like another shadow that had fallen underneath like Ooh. some stuff. It was rough. I was like, yeah. oh, mistakes mistakes were made. Yeah. I've, I've, I bought one collection off of a guy at the store that was hard up for some cash and was trying to buy a list of stuff and didn't end up working out for mm-hmm. him, so I bought it from him. Unless you love sitting down, sorting through bulk, and meeting up with people in sketchy neighborhoods, and talking to people face-to-face, I'd yeah. rather not do. Um, like, buying collections isn't the way to go. Yeah, I mean, every so often, like, now a few years ago, there'd be things that pop up on, like, Craigslist, you're like, oh, man. Yeah. And I, you know, there's some that I wish I would have gone and got, but yeah. I didn't. But now, like you go on Craigslist and it's 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 a it's a wasteland. There's yeah. like nothing there. It's like seven people posting up. We're looking for magic collections. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or like Goodwill auctions used yeah. to be a good place. Yeah. And now Goodwill knows what cards are worth. Yeah. Like I bought a whole box of they they sell cards by weight. Oh boy. <laughs> so I just bought like a box and it was all like revised stuff. And I was oh like, wow. Oh yeah. And as soon as my auction ended, they posted all the dual lands out of the set. Of course they did. I, it was I was just like, oh yeah. I think I think that I got like an Italian Sylvan library and a Phyrexian, uh, what's it, Dreadnought, mm-hmm. and the rest was just like garbage. Garbage. Yeah. It's like okay, 
mistakes were made. Yeah, but for the most part, like, people know what their stuff's worth because they can just, like, Google it. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a big news story, like, just last week. I saw it posted on Facebook. I saw it posted on Reddit. Not in magic groups, like, actual, like, people that aren't affiliated with the game posting this. Mm -hmm. I saw it on Facebook. I saw it on Reddit. I believe I saw it in one of the, I don't know if it was Yahoo or MSN Mm -hmm. news feeds or whatever, but... A graded Alpha Black Lotus sold for $100,000 last week. And it made the news. Like, people know that this stuff is worth money now. Yeah. They're they're not idiots. You're not going to be able to find deals like you used to. So, like, with, with bulk stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, kind of going back, like, that's what, like, you know, that's what Star City and Channel Fire, that's what they're trying to do is yep. they had a whole bunch of nourishing shoals mm-hmm. that they got for $0.10, cents, mm-hmm. and then they were worth $12. Yep. And they did it. Yep. Right? And that offsets all the, like, trash rares that you sell them. Yep. So when you get rid of your cards, right, like, there are cards that are played in standard that will never get played anywhere. Right. Ever. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know. I feel pretty safe saying, like, no one's going to resolve a Doom Whisperer in Legacy or Modern anytime soon. Well, see, that's kind of different, though, because that card's actually really hot in EDH. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, there That's are... That's, like, a whole other can of worms, yeah, but... but... But there are cards... Just trying to think of, like, another big, dumb creature, like... That's um, not going to get resolved in... Glorybringer? Glorybringer. Hazoret. Ha- no, Hazoret's well, playing modern. he's playing modern. Jade Light uh, Ranger. Jade Light Ranger. People are not going to be jamming Jade Light Ranger right. in modern or legacy, and Jade Light Rangers are, like, 5 or $6. Yeah. Right? Like, that's probably a card that you can, like, safely send away. Yeah. Right? But, like... I got rid of a bunch of con stuff, mm-hmm. and I took out, I like, just common and uncommons. I took out every card that had Delve on it. Right. Just like, nope. Like, this might do something. Yeah, I hope you took out your Swift Spears, too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, no, like, you have cards that... Cards... With, I always look for cards with unique effects. Mm-hmm. Cards that do something different or mm-hmm. weird that you haven't seen before. Yep. Kind of leads into what I was going to talk about next okay. year. We, we talked about specking on bans and unbans. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I made mention of in the show notes is uh, specking on things that synergize n- well with new mechanics. Yes. So when we went to Amonkhet, uh, we had a Negwan Negwan counter theme. Mm-hmm. And we also had uh, some cards that prevented the application of said counters. Yes. Um, this enabled the Devoted Druid combo in Modern, and Devoted Druids went from under 2 bucks to, I believe, they were 20 at one point. Yeah, I think they've settled up to, like, 10 or 8 yeah. or something. But I don't were, have any. They have were one. bulk. Yes. They're like an uncommon. Yeah. So, yeah, so there, there's that kind of stuff, yeah. like, kind of looking at the new mechanic, and that almost always happens. What's the the pro blue goblin? Uh, Piledriver? Piledriver. When Piledriver got reprinted, I bought a whole bunch of random modern goblin stuff mm-hmm. just in case. Yep. And like I get on, got it on like Goblin War Chief. Yep. Or Goblin, whatever the three drop goblin wasn't War Chief. Because War Chief, yeah, War Chief got, is three drop. Yeah, was it? Anyway, whatever the Chieftain, I think, was the oh, one okay. that, was, that was legal at the time. I got in a bunch of those at like a dollar mm-hmm. and, and a bunch of foils, and they went to like five or six dollars, and I got rid of them. I was like, yeah. I'm not going to play goblins. Right. But I got rid of them, and I, I made, a, made a quick buck. People look at cards and go like, ooh, that might be really, really good in whatever my, my favorite deck is. Yeah. 
other people start going, oh, maybe it is good. And they start trying to buy the pieces. And if you can get in early, like when a card gets spoiled, if you're 15 minutes late to the party sometimes. Yeah. It's They're all late. gone. Yeah. Like if somebody, like if you're like on Mythic Spoiler and someone posts like, oh, this would be really good with blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah is gone. <laughs> yeah, it's too late at that point. They're, they are all gone. Yeah. And it's it's awkward. Yep. We kind of did the same thing when we heard we were going back to Dominaria too. I think we yeah. both, we both, we both uh, did it. Specked on the same thing. Um, one of the main uh, flavor points of Dominaria was Slivers. Yes. So we both kind of had an inkling that there might be slivers in Dominaria, so we went pretty deep on... I have a bunch of, like, uh, Galewind slivers. Gale Rider. Gale Rider slivers. A bunch of them. Yeah, I have a bunch. I just went and bought, like, rares at reasonable prices, like Sedge Troll or Sedge Sliver. Sedge Sliver. I have my playset plus, like, two or three more. Yep. Homing slivers I bought a bunch of. And I bought a bunch of, like, the foil, foil, like, harmonic slivers from, like, the sliver deck and stuff. Yep. So a lot of times I'll buy enough that if the card, like, goes up in price, I can sell my extra copies. And pay and, for the And the pay for ones. everything, yeah. yeah. It's like, oh, I spent $30, but if these go from, you know, six from $5 a piece to $10 a piece, I can sell my extra copies. Right. And... Have not paid anything for it. Yeah, me. have not paid anything for it. So I don't, like... You know, I'm not always trying to go super deep. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you sometimes you go from five dollars to twenty five dollars, and right. you're like, I'm a genius. <laughs> right. Another like works well with old mechanics or old cards is uh, I decided that all of the like X or like XX zero zero uh, power zero toughness guys that get counters. So uh, endless one uh, walking Melissa hanger, hanger back, back walker. walker. I was like, all of these have been good yep and so there's a chamber guardian chamber sentry chamber sentry is the new one that is it has effectively sunburst yeah pay x colors of mana put x counters on it pay x tap it remove x counters deal x damage and then you can buy it back for, for Wooberg. yeah they're between eight and 15 cents a piece i think i have 60 yeah if there's some like weird modern combo deck where you have to cast a bunch of zero drops a la like legacy cheerios yeah i'm your guy yeah i got i got them all well, so, i mean we're almost to that deck yeah we're i would yeah. keep saying like like fecundity is two and a green enchantment when a creature dies its controller draws a card yep. if i have a bunch of guys that cost zero that yep. die I can just draw. Yeah, they all read cycle for free. Yeah, they're free cycling, and you know, uh, Street Wraith is good. Yeah, I have a bunch of them, and if that deck becomes a thing, yep, at some random point three years down the road, even if they only go from eight cents to a dollar, you're still making. Yeah, I still I still took my four dollars or whatever. Yeah, and turned it into sixty dollars. Yeah, and I have my four. Right. Like I have my playset, and I went and bought. A surgical extraction. Yeah. <laughs> I did all this work for a surgical extraction. I hope you already have your surgicals. Oh, Tell I, me you already have your surgicals. I have, I do believe I have seven or eight. Okay, good. I have like non-foil uh, new Phyrexia ones, yeah. plus I have the foil promos. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty sure I have a playset of both. So surgicals were like $5 two years ago. Yeah. And they're 60 or $70 now? Yeah. Uh. Because, 16, I think I just looked on my phone while we were setting up a yeah. podcast, and they were 69. Yeah, 80. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Got there. Um, you have these windows where you can get cards. Yep. Another thing to do is the Nick special, which yeah, is Yeah, we play the pre-release game. Yes, Nick 
will make a call yeah every pre-release where he's like i think this card is going to do something yep well i mean it was a game that we used to play mm-hmm um, everybody, and I kind of haven't done it the last couple sets, but there was a handful of us that would do it, and we would all pick a card. It had to be a rare f- before the set was released that was spoiled, that was pre-selling for under $2. We had to pick one of those and buy, you know, however many copies. You, you had to actually buy the card. Yes. But buy, you know, four, eight, ten, twelve copies, whatever, and see who does the best. So I think think I still am the current winner. Um, uh, Nick did really well on Smuggler's Copter. I did really well on um, Ormondal. Oh, Ormondal, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What was the land? Oh, gosh. Westvale yeah, Abbey. Westvale Abbey, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I bought those for a dollar, and they were 20 like the weekend of release. Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> I I think mine, and I've, I've done poorly, was uh, uh, Rick's Mighty Revelers. Yeah. I, I still think that card has... It says discard and draw. It, it uh, still has a home somewhere. I'm, I like that card more and more every time I cast it. Yeah. There are upside. There are good sides of this. Mm-hmm. So, like, Art Like Phoenix, I think yeah. we said was under $2 at pre-release. We yeah. all missed the fact that it was basically Vengevine. You I, got yours? I didn't miss the fact. Was... Um, I heard... I don't even remember where I heard it. It wasn't from Jerry Thompson. Mm-hmm. But somebody had said somewhere that jerry thompson was wanting to test arclight phoenix in pyromancer and i said oh i i play pyromancer i was putting in an order for whatever i wanted to play mm-hmm. in standard and arclights were two dollars so i ordered my play set of arclights mm-hmm. my play set cost me eight dollars i think i got mine at like four or five dollars a piece yeah but yeah now they're what 20 30 yeah i think they're even more than 30 they're seeing play in every format yes so like there's there's that where you're like oh you yeah. you you get on Ormondal for a dollar yeah right and there's uh but then there's also like the downside yeah where we we went and looked it up yeah I think we found Arlen Cord was Arlen the Cord one that was uh was pre-selling for thirty four dollars yeah before release right around there started at like thirty and then creeped yep. up to like thirty four I think when they rotated out a standard they were three or four dollars yeah and like. If someone resolved one of those against you, you were like, why are you playing that card? Yeah. Right? But everyone was super hyped for it. Yeah. Gideon was like 15 or 20, mm-hmm. and then went to like 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shonda Torch of Defiance was actually kind of a really weird one because it was super hyped uh, pre-release and then didn't really find a home for like a month or a month and a half afterwards, and she went way down in value. And then skyrocketed again. Yeah. Like, even higher than pre-release prices. Jace Vryn's Prodigy is another one yeah, that, that was... That, everybody that's slept probably, on it. That is probably the best one. Everyone said it was terrible. Yeah. And it was, like, 40 or $50 a piece. Uh, they were $100 a piece at one point. Yeah. While they were in standard, they were $100 a piece. Yeah, and it was... But everyone was wrong yeah. pre-release. Yeah. The group think is usually pretty good. Yeah. People will be like, oh, this card is not good. I don't know. 70 80 percent of the time they're they're right yep right but there's there's times where it's like oh this is very good and then it turns out to be great yeah those are the ones you'll be bouncing the grandkids on your knee <laughs> i once got in on whatever yeah. card for a dollar yeah and that bought me this one <laughs> shiny scalding card 
Don't touch it. That's <laughs> how you're going to college, Junior. That's right. right. <laughs> I mean, if they keep going at this rate, it will. Yeah. So it's also like, you know, we think we said this earlier. I mentioned some card and you're like, oh no, that's EDH gold. Right. Right. And so there are multiple formats. And I think for more competitive players, uh, which James and I are, yeah. I, I refuse to play Commander. Uh, he, he, play, he dabbles. Yeah, I, I don't hate Commander. I like, I like playing Commander my way. I don't want to sit down at a table with a pod of people that I don't know and play for seven hours. And I think that's most of Commander, unfortunately. Yeah, that sounds that sounds miserable. Yeah. No, I, um, want to, I want to sit down with three people that I know very well, and I want the game to last, like, an hour tops. Yes. So, right, I think it's, you know, relatively easy to, to look at a card and think, like, oh, will this be good in Standard? Mm-hmm. Oh, does this have Modern applications? Does this make a deck in Modern? Right. Does this do whatever, right? EDH is a random collection of cards, it seems like, a lot of times. Yeah. But there's a lot of cards that derive almost all of their value from EDH. Mm-hmm. And there are, are things that you, like, if you have a foil Guardian uh, guardian project, that is EDH gold. Yeah, I have a foil Guardian project. Three and a green. All your creatures read draw a card on them. Oh, yeah. Right? That was one of my pre-release foils. It's, a, it's Singleton. Yeah. All your cards say draw a card. Yeah. I was, I was like... That card probably is going to get played in EDH. So I'm going to put it in a green deck with a bunch of creatures and draw all the cards, which I think is all you want to do in yeah, pretty much in in Commander is just draw yeah. all the cards. Right. So there are some cards that you can look at and you're like, oh, that'll be good in Commander. But then there are other cards that are like, someone's like, oh, well, like if you combine this with like Teferi's Puzzle Box yeah. and like <laughs> Ghostly Prison and like I don't know. Limdol's Hillbilly. <laughs> if we add this new card, we, we get to do this. And it's yeah. like, I would never, I didn't know Limdol's Hillbilly <laughs> was a card. I don't think it's a card. It's not a card. <laughs> uh, right. But you would have, like, so some of those you just can't, you can't see coming. Yeah. Um, there is money to be made specking on Commander also, though. Yes. I have learned of a few today that I wish I had specked on. Nikya of the Old Ways uh-huh. from Ravnica Allegiance. Yes is a super hot commander right now. Oh, no. And is driving prices of everything green through the roof. Oh, uh, wow. Crater Hoof Behemoth is $40. Thanks, collection that I bought a couple years ago yeah. for, fi- for $500. Crater Hoof Behemoth is $40. Um, Nylea, the Theros God, yeah. is $15. Dear God. Ronus, that just rotated, that sees yeah. play nowhere, is $7. Like, all these random green cards that you can dump mana into and are giant mana sinks are becoming very expensive because of Nikya. There's also Commander products sometimes that you want to, like, get in on as he goes into his envelope that arrived here today. <laughs> yeah, let's see what I this got a is. Little, I got in a little late. I have my play set. Uh, the Ninja from the new Commander set. Oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Blue I black, actually wanted to grab guy? some. I think I missed the Yoriko, the Tiger's Shadow. Yeah. Has Commander Ninjutsu. Commander Ninjutsu. Yeah, talking about a, a mechanic no one likes. <laughs> ninjutsu. The commander players like it. I got these for... I was late. I got them for 5 or $6 a piece. Yeah. Uh, and when I told someone they were 5 or $6, I was like, oh, I thought they were more. There's like a random... There's like a blue-black legacy deck based yeah. on like... Like when this guy like deals combat damage, uh, you reveal the top card of your library... You put it in your hand, and then each of your opponents loses life equal to its casting cost. Woo! So it's like Ophidian that also like dark confidants your opponent. So it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, there's like legacy decks to play it. And so 
Sometimes the Do they, like, brainstorm, put an Emrakul on top, kill you? I think it's more like Baleful Strix, uh, Ninja of the Deep Hours, like, mm. like if the you value. play if you play a Baleful Strix and draw a card, then you attack with it, and then you ninjutsu this guy in, and oh, you... Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, that's real good. <laughs> and then you pick up your Baleful oh, yeah. Strix, and you just draw all the cards, and it's been, I think it's put up a couple 5-0s on Magic Online. Another thing, the Magic Online 5-0 list, particularly for, like, modern, yeah. random things happen. Yeah. And when random things happen, random cards spike. What is that card? So, Core Clan Ironworks got banned because it was too good. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then what is the card? Uh, Semblance Anvil from Scars of Mirrodin. You've never heard of that card. No one had heard of that card except for VTCLA. Yeah. Apparently. So, it is an artifact with imprint yep it imprints something and then um any cards or spells you have of that that share a type that share a type with it cost less cost two less so basically instead of having to cast the artifact and then sack it to court clan ironworks to get two mana now you just the two mana is on the front end you cast everything for two less yeah so everything's free instead of I think a week before that list got spoiled, you probably could have bought all of those cards that were on TCG Player probably for $8. Yeah. Like, no one was playing that card. No one thought about that card. You had mentioned the list to me, mm-hmm. and I came home, and I was like, huh, maybe I should get some of these. They were 8 or $9 a piece. Yeah. Now, I've only seen one list where this, has, this card has been good. Yeah. I have also... Never seen any coverage where anyone has played this card. Right. But it went from nothing to like... And that's that FOMO that we were talking about earlier. Exactly. That's people that think that they might be interested in playing the deck. Doesn't matter if it's good. I want in just in case it is good. Yes. There's there's that. Or like, what if it is busted? Right. What if this is Eldrazi? Yeah. And like, so for like Eldrazi, like I didn't play Eldrazi and Eldrazi winner because I been talking to someone about the cards and i bought some of them yeah but i didn't get eye of ugans yeah and eye of ugans got stupid expensive yeah and they were like 40 or 50 dollars mm-hmm. and i wasn't gonna spend 40 or 50 dollars to play this play this deck i was like yeah. i can beat everyone at this tournament except for eldrazi with burn yeah i have burn <laughs> i hope to not get paired against eldrazi it worked out okay yeah i'm not great but it worked out okay <laughs> But yeah, like sometimes you just like, and so people will like flock to like, oh man, what if this is the new broken deck yeah. that I have to play? I have heard people refer to this as the Saffron Olive effect. Oh man. Because Seth he... Seth here, better, better known as Saffron Olive. Yeah, he does these weekly videos that are like jank brews. Yes. And people don't care that he does poorly and they just, just want, want to play, play the deck. deck. And so a lot of times he'll come out with these weird brews with, you know, whatever awful card he's playing. And all of a sudden, whatever awful card he's playing is $12 now. Remember, oh gosh, the the marionette, the, like the four black black with oh, Fabricate yeah, 3. Marionette Master. Marionette Master. Yep. And when an artifact died, you like drained your opponent one. Yeah. So many people sleeved that garbage up. Yeah. And tried because he played it and like... Like, what usually happens with a lot of these brews is, like, it'll be five rounds, three rounds of abject just terror. Yeah. It's just awful. <laughs> One round where you're like, oh, maybe it's not so bad. 
and then one round like yeah. the stars align and it does its thing and everyone only remembers like that one round that one round oh my gosh we sacrificed all of our artifacts to yeah. uh, uh what was that uh the big colossus guy uh metalwork colossus metalwork colossus yeah. and all these triggers and oh we did it <laughs> Right, and then they forget all the times that like you got raffle stomped you got, right you get before stumped. it. Yeah. Like, you know, but they, but you're like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. Yeah, right. I'm sure we could go see this uh, in action right now. Caleb D just did a uh, a deck tech on yeah. uh, Tulane Community College. Okay. On Jund Shamans. Jund, oh, I I think this already happened. That deck tech happened, and he started playing it on his stream, and then he just did a deck tech. Okay, because I had heard rumors of that deck like last week or the week before. He was I think. he was playing it on a stream. Okay, and then he just did something with the professor, and they yeah. did a deck tech. I'm sure the stupid, uncommon like Lorwyn, like I forget the name of it, yeah. Hatebringer or like Ragebringer. Yeah, Ragebringer. I'm sure that card, that uncommon, is now like four dollars yeah. because now everyone's like, oh my gosh, what if shamans <laughs> is the shamans hot new... is the next thing? Shamans is the new humans, yeah. like. That's a creature type we haven't, like, we haven't, they, they forgot about shamans. Yeah. They're just going to put random shamans that are great. It's like, mm, pump the brakes. Yeah. Like, you're playing a 1-3 for 2. <laughs> it says shaman on it. It says, you're, it says you're two mana shamans that have colored mana symbols cost two mana less to cast. Yeah. Like, calm down. Yeah. When a magic celebrity picks up a deck yeah. or starts playing it, things move. I remember, remember Manus Rider? Yeah. Manus Rider was getting played at the Pro Tour, and like Manus Riders were a card you could purchase. Yeah. And then they stopped being a card you could purchase. Like right. it got featured on camera and they went away. Yep. TCG player sends out an email before every Pro Tour, and they're like, hey, watch your inventory because prices tend to fluctuate. Hmm. Because, like, God God help you if you have your card, if you have your like rare for 50 cents, and then like LSV does a deck tech. Yeah. The people will find your 50 cent rare yeah. and they will buy all of them. Yeah. And you'll come back and be like, oh man, this card's worth like eight dollars now. Let me go, let me go check my inventory. Oh <laughs> no, right. Yeah, it's a hard pill to swallow when you gotta send it out for fifty cents. Yeah, but it also feels real good when you get it for fifty cents. Yeah, and you're like, oh, I got in early. <laughs> like if you're watching a stream and Boo Hoogland like is playing a deck. Oh god. And like you're like, all these nerds are gonna want to play this deck. Go go buy some cards. Yeah. Right now, I'm not telling you to go buy. Don't spend like eighty dollars on cards, but like right. spend eight dollars and like maybe yeah. you hit us hit on something. Well, I mean, like I like I said earlier, a lot of times I'm looking for like three four bucks to hit free shipping because yeah. I'm going to spend three four bucks in shipping anyway. I, so I, why not make a spec? I've been doing that with the Calidus Fastlands. Oh, that's a great one. So we've been going super deep on the the back end of arena yeah. in, in, in our, in our group chat and just talking to each other. They're talking about like, they're not going to, there's no way to get rid of your cards in arena. Right. So whatever cards you have, you will have forever. They've said there's going to be a format yep. that's going to let you play all of these cards that are on arena. There's going to be some right. new postmodern or whatever format. Yeah. Whatever it's going to be. Called. Whatever it's going to be called. Right. Arena has all the cards in it back to, I do believe oath of the Gatewatch or I, Battle? I heard Battle. Um, I don't know that that's true. I think that was just a rumor yeah. that I heard. So they go back pretty far. We know they at least go back to Kaladesh. People are thinking that, oh, hey, maybe the Kaladesh Fastlands yeah. will, if they make a new format that starts at Kaladesh, 
the Kaladesh Fastlands are going to be worth something. Yeah. Um, even this aside, yes. I think Kaladesh Fastlands are a good spec anyway. Well, if you, even if it, even if you just look at modern. Yeah, if you look at all the Fastlands that were from Scar's Block. Yeah. Right. You can't buy one for under ten dollars. Yeah, and most of them are way more than that. Black uh, Black Cleave Cliffs are sixty. Yeah, Copperline Gorge is twenty five or thirty. Yeah. I think. and they've never been reprinted, uh, so it's not like they print Fastlands all the time. Right. Right. If I get the twenty two dollars, inspiring vantages are like a buck fifty or two dollars a piece. Yeah. And they're played right now in Modern Burn. Mm-hmm. So I buy a couple of those or Concealed Courtyards, the white black right. one, because like if I get in on a do- at a dollar now, and you know. I assume I'll still be playing in three or four years, yeah. and they're fifteen dollars. Well, I can get off of these and turn them into whatever the new hot card is. Yep. The next Arclight Phoenix. Yep. So those are the I would those are cards that I was that was like oh I'm like two dollars short. Yep. I could either pay three dollars in shipping or I can spend three dollars on a blooming marsh. Yep. Okay, I'll do that. So what I normally do is um, on TCG Player. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a section under your shopping cart mm-hmm. that's cards that you're Thinking saving about. for later. Yes. Um, that's where I keep all my spec targets. Okay. That's and then idea. when, as I'm building my cart, you know, if I need to order something from a vendor, I'll go to that vendor and say, hey, or not actually talk to them or whatever, but I'll go. <laughs> no <laughs> I'll, human interaction here. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't like talking to people. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll go through my list and look for some of the cards that are on that save for later list, see if they have them, and then try and fill my orders that way. Like I said, you're going to spend three four dollars in shipping anyway. You might as well get some cards out of it instead. Yeah, I don't like talking to people. Says the man on the podcast. Well, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, another TCG uh, pro tip: like typically, there's not a huge difference in price between TCG direct cards. Right. And random guy selling cards out of his basement. Right. Uh, TCG, uh, I put the order in front of me in on Saturday. Yeah. Because SCG was streaming the Legacy event. And yeah. I was like, oh, God, if this stupid ninja card, <laughs> if, like, someone gets on camera with this ninja card, like, it's going to be 20 bucks. And then I was like, okay, it's like six. I'll get some now. I ordered it Saturday, and it got here today. Mm-hmm. I do believe you uh, bought some cards for a modern GP in Vegas that didn't show up like three weeks after the tournament from like Billy Bob's Basement Magic Emporium. Uh, yeah, I ordered Leyline of the Voids. I mean, this this one hurt because I ordered them three weeks before the event. I went to GP Vegas like two years ago. I ordered them three weeks before the event. I needed them for the event. They weren't there before the event. In that three weeks, they had almost doubled in price. Ended up having to buy them on site to use now i still look like a genius because they doubled again doubled from then but yeah like billy bob's Leyline of the void emporium never came through ended up having to open a case with tcg player get my money back because the cards never showed up yeah you know the the big sellers channel fireball star city uh cool stuff yep cape fear cape fear um tcg direct Mm -hmm. for the most part if you buy from from them you don't typically have to worry about like counterfeit cards, right? Because uh, like they're like professionals that you know want you to be happy, yeah. And they usually will come. Well, fast. I mean, they have a big business on the line, especially yes. like you said with counterfeit cards. 
like their reputation is on the line. They're going to make way more money selling to everybody across the country if they have a good reputation than if they're trying to pass off counterfeit stuff. And now, thankfully, when you buy, even through TCG from like some random, yeah. TCG is more interested in you being happy right. than they are in the random getting his money. So like if you have, they will, they will hook you up. But if yeah. you get it direct from them... Like, it's worth the extra dollar or two a lot of yeah. times, especially on something expensive, to get, like, a real card. Yeah. So. Also, like you said, with the shipping. Yeah. Um, I've gotten both Star City and TCG player orders. I have gotten in less than two days. Yes. Like, TCG usually are they're here super fast. Yeah. Right? You can't Shout always. Shout out count- to Syracuse. Yeah. You can't always <laughs> count on it to be here. Like, if you order it, like, on one Friday, usually it's here by, like, the next FNF. Yeah. Not always, but usually. Yeah. And you know, if you shop at your local game store, yeah, uh, you can you can feel the card. Yes. You could know that it is real before yeah. you before you purchase it. You you will let a man eat. <laughs> uh, right. You can get the card right then. But you know, to, to be real, there's you know, if you're like high roll and you're like, I want some uh, mox diamonds. I bought the only one in the store a while back. <laughs> haven't uh, come across anymore, huh? Haven't, haven't come across anymore. <laughs> Right, so the so a lot of times the, the rarer cards, the, yeah. the reserveless things are few and far between. Yeah, they're so, expensive for a reason. They're yeah. hard to find. So sometimes you have to go somewhere else to get them. Yep. Right. There, there's some like basic finance stuff. Yep. Some basic like ways to buy things and like yep. what to, what to look out for. So we're gonna do a quick arena update. Uh, yeah, real quick. To to pull the curtain back. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to Disney World. Woo. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to be here next week. So that's why we're recording. We're recording a little early. That's why we're kind of yep. not talking about like what's happening in Magic because we don't right. know where we're going to be in the future, I guess, or in the past. Ooh, one of the two. Yeah, time spooky. travel. This time is tra- how you time travel? This is how you time travel. Oh, man. Who we knew should, it was we should, this easy? We, we should buy some cards. <laughs> we that should, we, yeah. That have already gone up in price. Um, I think you are in uh, gold. I am in gold hell. I'm in, I'm in platinum purgatory, so we're okay, good. so we're we're doing we're doing all right here. Yeah. So I've what have got you been seeing? Maybe ninety games in mostly gold two and one. Mm-hmm. I've been like right on the bubble. Seems like forever. Yeah. Um, I have seen a huge uptick in mono green. That deck like didn't exist until last week. And I think I've played it ten times. I've played it a handful of times. I haven't seen it as much, but uh, I like I was playing like a non-ranked game to just like and to just like test out a deck. Yeah, deck's bad. Yeah. Uh, but like I just got like stomped. It was just like, yeah. oh, hey, cool, I die now. Yeah, like, Galt's oh, still big. Yeah, Galt is real big. Can't yeah. block it. So mono green. Is, is a lot of places. Now, we had down here that Mono Red is taking over again. Yeah. I apparently can't win a game with Mono Red. Like, it's <laughs> the the deck that I had, like, a 55 to 60% win rate. Like, my win rate right now in Plat 2 is, like, 32%. I am no longer in Plat 2. Yeah. It has been, it has been rough. I, uh, the reason I added this is because I've been trying to... My nights have been kind of packed lately. Mm-hmm. So, I've been trying to get up, like an hour earlier than I normally do and get my games in in the morning. Um, and yesterday morning, I played seven games and five of them were mono red. Oh, wow. I went through a stretch where the first, like last, early last, early this week or early late last week, I played seven games and they were all watery grave go. 
like man. every every game it was and it was saltai reclamation Mm. which uh, Mono Red can't beat Cry of the Carnarium and yep. uh, Ritual of Soot, can't yep. do it, or just Esper Control. And it's just like, oh. oh. Yep. Like I did last season, I'm going to try to remain calm and lean into my <laughs> and lean into my demonstrated win rate. Yeah. Uh, just like I just have to get games in. Like I, I showed the, the spreadsheet to James when he got here, and I was like, I am eight and three against mono red in plat three and plat two is effectively the same thing yeah and i'm three and eight against mono red and i'm like like it's I, crazy i i can't be there was a day like i went like oh and six against it and like this is not like yeah. reasonable like i was like farming mono red players uh <laughs> two weeks ago yeah and now you can't now i can't get a win and i'm just like like so some of its variants yeah but we were talking before the metagame, like, runs super fast. Yeah. And, like, you were saying, like, someone, like, tweets out a list, and well, that list was good for two hours, and now it's not good anymore. Well, yeah, kind of what it seems like is happening is Twitter seems to be full of Magic players kind of humble bragging about making Mythic by posting their list. Yes. And whenever that happens, everybody jumps on that list. Every yes. single time that happens, all of Arena plays that list for the next however long. Unfortunately, that person just finished making Mythic with that list, and the time for that list is now past. Mm-hmm. The Arena meta changes so quickly that by the time somebody puts their list up, that list isn't good anymore. Or the fact that now everyone's playing it yeah. changes what's good. Right. Right, so it's like, oh, now there's a bunch of people on Gruel Aggro, so now some other deck is worse than it was, yeah. or some other deck is now better. Yeah, and then someone runs up the ladder with that deck that's like got a seventy percent win rate against Gruel, and yeah. then it's like, then they post that list, and everyone runs to that because oh man, I need to beat Gruel. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know what I did see today though on Twitter? Oh, um, Logan Nettles hit uh, number one Mythic. Oh, he did? I, I, I'm pretty sure I saw that on Twitter today. That's good. Which is the first time I think he's done anything with Arena so far, right? Yeah. If he's abandoning Magic Online. Yeah. He is like Magic Online's king. Or yeah. one of them, at least. Yeah. Sad times for Moto. Sad times for Moto. So this somehow has ended up being the longest podcast that we have uh, ever done. It won't be, though. We're going to edit it out, make it short. It'll be great. I have faith in you. Oh, man. <laughs> you um, can even edit this out. We can take out everything. But with that, uh, we're going to leave you with maybe some homework or at least uh, a recommendation. Sure. We have uh, some really good friends of ours that have also started up a podcast. They're people that we see every week at our LGS and, like I said, are pretty good friends of ours. Chris and Hayden um, have started the Very Good Comic Podcast. Um, It's hilarious. You should check them out. They play really well together. Um, It's a good time. Where, where can we find them? Um, I believe they are on YouTube. Yeah, so it's it's a video it's a video experience. Yeah, um, I I think they are going to actually make it a podcast, but they do video it also. Yeah, so you can actually see their ugly mugs where you can't see ours. Yeah, we um, might do a video podcast, and you'll see that we shouldn't. Yeah, uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the very good comic podcast on YouTube. Some good friends of ours. You should check it out. It's a good time. So if you made it this long, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. If you want to tell us this was way too long or tell us that you want more, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, tweet at us at uh, Casual Tripod. 
Yep. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us at Casual Tryhard MTG at gmail.com. So thank you very much for hanging in with us. We got a little carried away talking about money. Yep, that's all right. Um, I will cut you at FNM. Brian will not. I know. I'll be there. I'll be oh, there. you'll be there? I'll be there oh, tomorrow. Okay, okay, okay. Just checking. Yeah. I will also catch you at FNM. Right. Probably beat me. <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yep.